Those 800,000 furloughed federal workers will go back to work today and should be getting their back pay within days. But the clock is already ticking because Congress only has three weeks to come up with a new deal or else the government will shudder once again. The president vowing to build his wall with or without Congress. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Erickson immigration attorney Lisa Lott Woodback sheds light on the specifics over the temporary removal of the government shutdown and what that will mean for immigration services moving forward. This is a short and sweet update for those tracking the ever-changing events happening in D.C. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Lisa Lott. Hello. Thank you for joining once again. Thank you for having me. Yes. So recently we found that the government shutdown has been temporarily uh, removed. So many workers are going back to work. Which means here in D.C., of course, the traffic is now all of a sudden much worse, but it's a good thing. (laughs) It's definitely gone back to the bumper to bumper. But could you bring us up to speed um, for those who are unaware? What has happened up until this point and where does this funding debate stand now? So right now, the government is open. Everything is fully funded. All the government agencies, the ones that were funded before, are still funded. The ones that were had their lapse in funding, where their funding was expiring either at the end of last year or in the coming in the month, uh, past month, those are now reopened. Basically, there was an appropriations bill saying we're going to fund the government, but only for 15 days. It's a temporary reprieve. A little bit over 15 days till September, till February 15th of 2019 of this year. And the idea there was that negotiations were at a standstill. There were different ideas of what does it mean to secure the border. Those weren't really getting anywhere. And a lot of people were hurting because of that. So the parties seemed to say, you know what, let's continue to debate this, but let's not hold the government closed while we do it. Let's let's let things run. Let's let things that are not really related to this. Let's let people who have government contracts, let's let those get back to work. Let's let everything get get going again. And let's just continue to debate our differences on the side in the place where they should be, which is the House House and Senate Appropriations Committee and discussions with the president. So specifically, what were they fighting over? They're fighting over, in my opinion, different ideas of what it means to secure the border. Focus on the southern border, not a whole lot of talk about in the northern border. Uh, focused on physical security and what does it mean to secure and prevent unlawful entry across that stretch of land. There are a lot of things they weren't talking about. They weren't talking about ways to make airports more secure. They weren't talking about trying to identify people who enter the United States legally and then either break a law or somehow violate their status. We weren't talking about that. It was really focused on that strip of land at the southern border, how to make that secure. Right. Is finding um, what's their definition of border security and what would that mean? And And what does that look like? And does that include a physical barrier? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of discussions about, well, there's a lot of land there that's really, really rough. Do we need a physical barrier? How much would it cost? What is it worth? What are we willing to give up in order to get a border, uh, border wall and that may or may not even work. Maybe we should be putting our money into drones. Maybe we should be putting our money into technology as opposed to something that could be climbed over or dug under. What What are some other options? And is that really the best way to spend our money to fulfill a campaign promise? Or are there other things that we could and should be doing? 
what's interesting is there wasn't a lot of debate about whether or not we should secure the border. It was more about how and how much money and how is that money going to be spent. So it's actually arguably over a very, very small part of a very big issue, but just that tiny little bit. Right. And I guess we don't all have the facts and the conversations will be ongoing Mm -hmm. in terms of solutions for this. Because right now we have a temporary solution until February 15th. We reach the 15th and there's, well, there's two scenarios. One that they don't come to an agreement. Mm -hmm. What happens there? And then the second one would be if they do come to an agreement, how would that impact us? So it's kind of two part. So it's, it's funny that you put it that way because I usually do a lot of non-U.S. immigration. That sounds a lot like a deal, no deal, Brexit scenario. But, it, so it. let's okay, talk about sure. deal, no deal, right? right? Okay. So suppose there's a deal. Deal could come in many different ways. There could be things on the table. Uh, DACA could be a part of it. I was just reading today that maybe DACA is going to be offered. Maybe DACA is not going to be offered. I haven't seen anything about business immigration go on the table as a bargaining chip. I thought maybe we would see MOPT. Maybe that hasn't been even mentioned as a bargaining chip. It's all about this border security and what we're going to do with it. I think what a deal would look like would be some amount of money to be determined going to some sort of border security sort to be determined. If there is an agreement on that, then everything else gets funded also. If there is not an agreement on that, then on uh, February 15th, again, the Parts of the government that don't have long-term funding already set up, those parts shut down again, just like they did at the end of December. And the parts that do have funding, like the Department of Labor, like U.S. Citizenship Immigration Services, which has a long-term funding stream from fees, those parts of the government remain open. Okay. But regardless, in terms of immigration services Mm -hmm. and whether there's applications for H-1Bs and visas for different individuals applying... Mm -hmm. um, Either way, it would not impact. You wouldn't see a huge impact, although you might see some ancillary spillovers from, for some other agencies. Specifically, USCIS does not rely on appropriations for its funding. It relies on fees for its funding. And since the fees are still coming in, they're still open. They are not part of this government funding cycle bills getting passed to get them appropriations. So USCIS is fine. They don't, they're not a part of this. Department of Labor... They are actually fine in this shutdown scenario because they already have their funding bill that's been passed and they have funding through the end of the U.S. government fiscal year, which would be the end of September. Now, this wasn't the case during the last government shutdown. During the Obama administration in uh, September of 2013, there was a shutdown of, I believe, about 15 days. During that time, the Department of Labor was not funded. So we saw ramifications on PERM, uh, H-1Bs, LCAs were getting approved. There, there was immigration uh, ramifications. Here, that's not true. That's not happening. Department of Labor is good. So you've got USCIS, that's good. Department of Labor, that's good. However, immigration is a multi-agency issue. It's not just about those two agencies. Specifically, Department of State does not have a full funding stream yet. Employees of the Department of State were furloughed. I don't know exactly how that played out in the consulates, but I know that some Department of State officials here in D.C. were furloughed and were, or were working without pay. And regardless, when you're in an agency and there's people who are not able to come to work, if that work has to get done, it's going to shift around. So what I believe through logic 
probably happened was that there was some activity that wasn't being done in Washington and maybe it got pushed out to the consulates and consular officers who normally would be interviewing on the line, maybe they got pulled different ways to do some of this work. Also, background checks. That's Department of Justice. That's FBI. A lot of them were furloughed. So that slowed down. USCIS relies heavily on FBI for things like fingerprint clearances, background checks to adjudicate all sorts of petitions. We often see petitions that get held up solely because of that background check process. So if the FBI wasn't doing it, then that might slow down some USCIS petitions. Not all, but some. So it's pretty much those, you might see those indirect ramifications, indirect ripples, but it's going to be felt only by some individuals in the immigration system. It's not going to be felt by all. You might not even know that why an application is slowed down is because of the government shutdown, because we see applications slowed down for all sorts of reasons, right? right we right. see admin processing, and there's never sure. an explanation. <laughs> I don't think we'll get an explanation now. We'll be like, oh, yeah, Definitely. that, that, of the fi- 50 different types of slowdowns of the 50 different mm-hmm. types of reasons, that one was a government shutdown issue. Yeah, no one's ever going to tell us that. Right. So we might see some verification, but we won't know, and it'll be these small ripples in the system. Right. So I guess stepping back, mm-hmm. um, looking at more from a overview sort of perspective, whenever this will be resolved, will there be is there any sort of predictions of future immigration policies, maybe how that will be affected or different things that is trying to be implemented? I bet you if you ask a whole bunch of people, you'll get and this a different is answer from each one. So right, I am right, speculating right. here. Right. I really don't think so. I think this is a border issue. Sure. I think it Mm -hmm. has to deal with the area of immigration we commonly refer to as humanitarian immigration. Mm -hmm. And that I include things like asylum seekers, especially those groups we've seen coming up from Guatemala through Mexico who are right now in Tijuana and those other border cities. It affects them. It affects people who are on DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It affects individuals who might be looking for TPS, Temporary Protected Status. But that's a relatively small part of the immigration system. It doesn't really affect what EIG does most of the time. It doesn't really affect green cards. I don't see any dealings about that. And it could have. There could have been a whole discussion. This could have been a catalyst for a big, all right, we'll let you do the border Mm -hmm. if you do comprehensive immigration reform. That has not been mentioned by anybody in this. They're even not even talking about like the DACA bill, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, the, the actual legislation that's been proposed that would give a path to citizenship. That's not even on the table. A, a missed opportunity. Yeah, you know, yeah or maybe just people saying, you know what, let's focus on the border. Let's right. fight this battle. And let's save comprehensive immigration reform. That, that's a whole nother thing. We're not sure if we want to go there. We're not sure if we want to put it on the table. Honestly, if I were in their shoes, I'm not sure I would want to put it on the table because comprehensive immigration reform is a big scary thing and you want to do it well and i don't think you want to do it in the heat of battle i think you want to have a a effort yeah like a sensible conversation that's with people who are not stressed out who know their stuff know what they're talking about have maybe tried to do comprehensive immigration reform before people have been in this process for a while and can really craft a good bill you aren't gonna get a good bill out of this crisis it was. It's not a way to craft solid legislation. So I'm actually kind of glad. So I think it might have some small effects. There's going to be a lot of pundits. There's going to be a lot of sound bites coming out of it. 
But in terms of the long-term impact on immigration, I don't think it really changes the conversation. It's part of a trend we've seen throughout this government's administration of tightening the Mm -hmm. border, of getting more harsh treatment of asylum seekers, of being trying to limit DACA. But it's not really anything new. So I don't think it really changes the conversation in a way with doesn't really provide a whole a new part of it. It's just kind of, okay, this is the next crisis. Let's move on. What's the next crisis after this? Yeah, it doesn't really go beyond that, though. So I guess we can say that this government shutdown and the, the temporary mm-hmm. uh, ending of it does not affect any sort of immigration services and processes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a couple more caveats on that. Okay. Uh, it doesn't affect business immigration. Business immigration to a significant effect that we will feel as a distinct effect. Right. Any pressure from that? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like we can uh, breathe a, a sigh of relief. Yes. Uh, yeah. We weathered this one. This one was fine. Great. Thank you for coming on, Lisa. A lot. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. For more content and immigration updates, please visit our website at eiglaw.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG underscore law and our Instagram underscore EIG law to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.